It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. Listen, I love the Philadelphia Eagles, but we all know drafting has been their forte. That's the opponent. Shake his hand and get to the damn locker room. Whether it's the fight Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. I mean, the Eagles had that game, and I hate the Saints. Like, put them at the top of my list now. With the Cowboys, the Giants, the Redskins, the Vikings are up there. Screw them. The Patriots. I hate the Saints now. And John Mita. Jimmy Butler was your best player. So this offseason, I don't care how many millions it takes. SoundCloud, iTunes, what's good? It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe Donald, John Mita with you, back and better than ever. Johnny Mita, you're in an Uber. A little scrambly today, but you know what? We're just going to persevere. This might be the first ever podcast where one of the hosts is in an Uber. I'm mobile. I'm mobilizing right now, but I got my Bluetooth Beat 3 headset on, and uh, we're ready to rock and roll. Maybe we should get them as a sponsor, you know, since you're just dropping plugs left and right. Uber and the uh, the headphone company there. Um, uh, that would be nice. All right, that Johnny, man, nice. we, we've got a lot to get into here. A little bit of a shorter podcast. We're going to cram it all in, though. Talk a little bit about the birds, obviously, and what could be a season-changing or season-saving victory in Lambeau on last Thursday night. But let's start, of course, with the Philadelphia Phillies. Their season is over. They finish a pedestrian, 81-81. and 81. Couldn't even win that damn last game of the year against the Marlins to finish above 500. So they go 500. Not only do they not secure a playoff spot, they trailed the Mets in the division, obviously the Nationals and the Braves in the division. So you had two NL East teams clinch postseason bursts. The Phillies aren't one of them. And on top of that, the stinking Mets finish ahead of them, which honestly I never thought was possible at any point in the season. Arizona and Chicago also ahead of Philadelphia. The Phils finish eight games out of a playoff spot. And then last night, uh, by the time most of you listen to this, maybe even a couple of days ago, it will be actually uh, time-wise. But the Washington Nationals came back and beat the Brewers in the wild card sort of play-in game, and they go on to the NLDS. So Bryce Harper had to watch that, which I'm sure was a lot of fun for the Harper family. So what do you make of the Phils, John Mita? What was a very average, disappointing, and underachieving season? Average just from a record standpoint, really. Uh, But what's the next move for the Phils? To absolutely clean house, Joe. That is the move. To get rid of Andy McPhail, Matt Klintak, and obviously our boy Gabe Kapler. You just got to start over at this point. You got to take some of the key pieces that you have on this team. You know, I think one of the big things is, too, is you got to get JT Riamuto. You got to sign him this offseason. You got to make that a big time priority. You need to acquire at least two more starting pitchers. You got a lot of work to do in your bullpen, and you got to move some guys around. You know, is Cesar Hernandez going to be on this baseball team? Are you going to put Scotty Jetpacks back to second base where he belongs? Are you going to try to move Mikhail Franco and bring up the bomb, Alex Baum, to play third base full-time for you? So there's a lot of work to be done. And let's face it, this this, this management between McPhail, Klintak, they haven't produced. Not only haven't they produced getting the right pieces and players on the field for this organization, but the farm system is in absolute turmoil and, and, and just pathetic. Uh, they never hit on any type of draft pick, and it's time to just start over. Let's start fresh. We'll see what happens, but in a perfect world, I think all Philly fans are calling for the clean sweep. President, general manager, manager, get out of town. 
Well, I couldn't agree more from that front uh, as far as the managerial change and even I think a front office change is warranted. I mean, especially when you're talking about ownership and John Middleton, you know, and you're talking about investing all those millions of dollars into this ballpark um, over time, the upgrades and the amenities there into the roster, into all the stuff you do in spring training and the marketing, you pour out all this money into a franchise and then you go 81 and 81 when there were, honestly, at least in Philadelphia, World Series aspirations, playoff aspirations that I think a lot of us thought were legit. Now, maybe as fans, we're just dumb and didn't see the writing on the wall. I know you can't account for the bullpen injuries. I'll give the uh, the ball club a, a bit of a pass on the fact that they encountered so many bullpen injuries. However, it still doesn't mask the fact that this team has serious deficiencies and holes, and it doesn't mask the fact that this team underachieved. So they've got a lot of work to do. JT Real Muto getting him locked up for sure, as you touched on. The manager's got to go. If the GM and the president go, I'm not going to shed a tear. I'm not going to lose a, a wink of sleep over it. They've got some soul-searching to do there at Citizens Bank Park. It starts up top with John Middleton. You know, time is his, essentially, to steal the Andy Reid Andy Reed term. He's got to get it figured out, figure out how he wants his ball club to look in the future and who's going to be running that ship as well. Sounds like Joe Madden, a name I was clamoring for weeks ago, if he became available, is not only available, but seriously a candidate for the LA Angels managerial job. So if the Phils were to strike out, no pun intended on a guy like Madden, then where do they go managerial-wise as far as that search goes? But first things first, they got to fire Gabe Kapler and, and, and move on. I think why the move hasn't necessarily happened yet is they could be in scramble mode. Now the fact that it's you know it's been reported that Madden could be on his way to Los Angeles, maybe that was the guy that they had teed up. Now in all likelihood he's headed there, so now they're trying to work out on you know their their backup plan. But enough's enough. I mean, I think it's just time to go, and, and I think Gates sees the writing on the wall, and you know we got to get somebody with some managerial experience. Yeah, I agree. A guy that's got some um, something on his resume at the managerial level. Not a bench coach, not a third base coach, not a guy from the minors. I don't care if it's a retread. It's got to be a guy that's won, a guy that will command the respect of the players and know which buttons to push to get these guys motivated to hustle because we didn't always see that from this year's team. When you look at some of the areas they came up short, certainly, as I touched on, the injuries played a big factor. I think the loss of Andrew McCutcheon, we all know, was devastating to this team, but you can't have your ball club, your roster built where one guy goes down and all of a sudden you go from 10 games over 500 to well below 500, you know, as far as that next chunk of games, that last 100 games or whatever it was. They were well below 500. It was miserable baseball at times. Look at the Brewers. The Brewers lost arguably the NL MVP, Christian Yelich, with what, a dozen games to go? And I was like, put a fork in them. They went like 9-1 and one in their last 10 or something ridiculous to get into a playoff spot. So you got to have a team that's got enough depth, enough depth to overcome those types of injuries. And you need that, that leadership. And if they don't have it currently, internally, they got to go out and find it. Because whatever they had, the chemistry they had, the leadership they had, just wasn't good enough. So we'll see what they do. All right, Johnny Mita, let's go to the Birds. They go to Lambeau. Last Thursday night, they win 34-27. They get to 2-2. Two and two. They hand Green Bay their first loss of the year. It wasn't pretty. They were down 10-0. Special teams, holy smokes, actually made a play to get them going. Defense came up with some big red zone and kind of goal line situation stands. And, you know, listen, the defense under Jim Schwartz, say what you want. A lot of times in those do-or-die 
first and goal for the opposing team. They've come up big uh, in recent memory. They get it done 34-27. They host the Jets on Sunday. You tell me, John Mita, what stands out the most about that gutsy win in Green Bay? I think for me, Joe, the one, the one thing that stands out the most is got to be uh, Doug Peterson's game plan. I mean, finally, we get to see if Jordan Howard can play or not. I mean, how long did that take? Yeah. And I just thought it was brilliant. I thought the balance was brilliant. I thought it was the best game that he's called, you know, from an offensive play-calling standpoint in the last, I don't know, 10, 10 15 games? Yeah. Maybe since the Super Bowl. I mean, it's just a nice mix. They had a game plan of what they wanted to do, and they had Green Bay at their absolute mercy. Green Bay wasn't really – you know, a terrible defense at the time. It wasn't, it's not like they were, they were bad. It's just that, I mean, Doug kind of saw that you could run on that, you know, run on that football team and he took advantage of it. You know, I love the fact that they kind of started out with Howard then they sprinkled in Sanders, you know, and it was just got a couple, two tight ends, got the two tight ends involved. It was a gritty win, you know, to win in Green Bay, especially because you know, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay on Thursday night in Lambeau. They were undefeated. Doug Peterson was undefeated on Thursday night. So some had to give. But uh, it was a huge win for the football team. Good confidence booster. Defense didn't play amazing. But at the same time, they made a play, a huge play when they had to. And we haven't seen that all year long. Well said. It's tough coming back from a 1-3 and three record, so it's an absolutely huge win to get to 2-2. Two and two. They put themselves in a spot where they had a win because of that Lions debacle. What a painful loss that was. Uh, you talk about the run-pass ratio. The Packers didn't stop the run really all night, so why let them have the easy way out? Why not just continue to run the football? They did that on first down. They did that to get some third down conversions. And, and I saw a lot of RPOs. So Wentz looks smooth in delivering the ball, You know, giving him those run-pass options. So to me, the biggest positive from the win, and I like, you know, you talk about the balance there offensively, but I just think Carson Wentz needed, I don't want to say a signature win because it's week four, but this kid needed a win. Not against a bad Washington team, but a prime time, on the road, get it done. I don't care if he threw for less than 200 yards. He was really good. He moved around in the pocket. He was mobile when he had to be. He was pretty darn accurate. He got it done and didn't turn the football over. So for me, the biggest positive from the win is giving Carson Wentz that confidence builder again, letting him kind of get back and and operate the offense that had good balance to it, be accurate with the football, and they come out with a huge win. Alshon Jeffrey, John Mita, makes such a big difference for this team. It's It's insane. It felt like he had an unbelievable game. I go back and look at the stats. He only had three catches for 38 yards. You know, but he just has that impact on the game, that huge first down catch, which came uh, very late in the third quarter on that final drive that rolled into the fourth quarter there that they were able to get seven points on. There was a huge third in like eight or ten on the left sideline. He obviously had the touchdown grab, but just the red zone threat he gives them, his presence. I don't think Nelson Aguilar was targeted in the game. And uh, and yeah. they come out with the win. The one thing is it, it's kind of amazing to watch that guy operate. He's so big. But he just operates, you know, to take a term from Gabe Kapler's playbook, he just operates so beautifully back there. But basically, I mean, he just finds a way to get into certain spots of the end zone, you know, when they get inside the 10 to 12-yard line. And, and just and makes plays, always makes plays, makes a big catch when he had to. Now, he dropped the two-point conversion. It was kind of a good play by Kevin King. 
kind of raked his arm a little bit. All in all, it's great to have him back. You know, the big question is moving forward for this football team is what is the health status of Deshaun Jackson? Because, you know, people are talking about he had a groin injury. Some people are talking about he had an abdominal strain. And uh, if you put two and two together there, that sounds like a sports hernia. Uh, surgery was suggested for him. He neglected not to to go for surgery. So I just hope he takes these weeks. And I'll tell you what, Joe, like, they are coming in. The Eagles are coming into a damn gauntlet as far as schedule goes. I mean, once you get by the Jets here, which they should handle business considering they're a 14-point favorite right now, I mean, you look at what they have to go through. they got to go at the Vikings, at the Cowboys, which is going to be a colossal contest. And then you got to play at the Buffalo Bills, who have been fairly decent, uh, fairly decent this year and have a great defense. You know, that's three row games, and then you come home and, like, play the Bears. So, like... To come out of this, thank God we're two and two. Because if you're one and three and you're going into this next stretch of games, you're going to be in big trouble to try to even make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I think they've got to obviously pound the Jets. You got to stop the run on Sunday. Jets are coming off a bye, but they they have not had good success this year. Obviously, they've been certainly a disappointment. Adding Le'Veon Bell in the off season, but being zero and three, they've given up seventy points in three games. They've only averaged 11 points a game. Their starting quarterback's dealing with mono. He's been out in Sam Darnold. So go home, take care of business, come out of the game healthy, get a win. I don't care how you get it done, get a W. Just stop the darn run and, and go to work offensively, put this team away, and maybe you come out with a with somewhat of a clean win. And then you're into that tough stretch beginning in Minnesota and, and the three straight road games, and we'll see where it goes from there. But you mentioned, uh, you know, if you're one and three, making the playoffs is going to be hard. Now that they've achieved that two and two mark, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Do your expectations at all change for this team? Where the, you were a big 13 and three guy when this year started. We talked about it here on the Brother Love podcast. Um, expectations yeah. now a quarter of the way through or what? Well, clearly I was damn drunk on the green Kool-Aid, no doubt about it. I really thought that the secondary would play a lot better for this football team. I know they've had guys in and out and banged up in the lineup, but there's been some some real disappointment when I talk about the likes of Sidney Jones. Obviously, he had one interception, but he can't stay healthy, staying on the field. Levante Maddox was a really decent player for them this year. This year, he completely looks lost. So, bottom line is this. I mean, expectations won't change if my man Howie Roseman can get on the phone with those guys from Florida and bring Jalen Ramsey to the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if you want to ship Corey Clement, Dallas Goddard, the two first-round picks. Get it done because he would change the entirety of their defense. Basically, you bring in a guy like Ramsey, you have him on one side, that means Jim Schwartz can throw, you know, many Mo and Jack out on the right-hand side and not have to worry about it. It would improve this team immensely. People would say, well, don't you think you need more of a passers? I think eventually that's going to come around a little more, but I think if you can get your hands on a lockdown corner, I don't care. Go get Chris Harris from Denver. I don't care. But clearly we need an upgrade at the position and how he's got to work his magic some way, somehow. All right, Brother of the Love Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at Love Podcast. John Mead, a quarter poll of the uh, NFL season. That's where we are. I'm going to give you my biggest surprise and biggest dis- disappointment team-wise in the NFL I want you to follow. I'm going to start with my biggest disappointment this year. And honestly, to me, it comes from within the division, and it's the Washington Redskins. Like, I knew they weren't a good football team, but to be a minus 52 in point differential, to be 0-4, 
to have no answer at quarterback, to have put a rookie in there the other day in his first start, or it's you know his first action, he replaces Case Keenum, and he throws a, a bunch of picks. To me, the Washington Redskins, you know, with the whole Adrian Peterson mess, and he was a healthy scratch, inactive right before week one, I'm just stunned by how bad they are. And right now they're competing with the Miami Dolphins and a couple other crap teams for possibly the number one overall pick. So to me, the Redskins are the biggest surprise as far as the disappointment goes. On the positive side, a a team I didn't expect to compete like they are, and really it's because of circumstance, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, you got a little Gardner Minshew, a little Uncle Rico magic down there. Nick Foles goes out in week one. I'm thinking they're absolute toast. And here they are in a AFC South division where everybody's two and two. And the Jaguars are fighting for their playoff lives a quarter of the way through the season. Now, do I think Minshew is the next coming of name your Hall of Fame quarterback? No. But he's done a darn good enough job to create some buzz there in Jacksonville. And, and amidst all that Jalen Ramsey nonsense and that saga, there they are through four games at 2-2. Two and two. Wow, Joe, I'm very surprised you went with the Minshew. Because, you know, we talked about him the other night and uh, you weren't really feeling Well, listen, I'm not ready to put him in the Hall of Fame like some people. I'm just surprised. <laughs> They've been a pleasant surprise to be 2-2. Two and two. Hi guys. All right. So for me, biggest surprise, man, I got to go with the Buffalo Bills, man. They've been playing some really good football. It seems like Josh Allen was kind of, you know, getting the wheels turning, so to speak. And they they had a lot of turnover on their offensive side of the football, getting rid of LaShawn McCoy. A couple of receivers have left. They brought in some new pieces. You know, they were off to a 3-0 start. And who knows if Josh Allen doesn't get his head knocked off by Jonathan Jones and the Patriots. Apparently, they teach him that's how how they should be, how the quarterback should be hit. Go figure there. I guess they don't watch the videos that the NFL throws out. But I, I think it's the Bills, and I think Sean McDermott's done a great job. I love, you know, we love that defensive ma- mentality. It comes from the tree of Jim Johnson. So I would say, I would say Buffalo Bills, biggest surprise. And I would say, um, you know, biggest shock, the biggest disappointment to me, has got to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, they... They basically aired out their old laundry with Antonio Brown. They got rid of Le'Veon Bell. They kind of, it looked like they're coming in this year. They had a great deal of chemistry, and they just got off to one of the roughest starts. Now, granted, I understand Ben Roethlisberger. You know, when you lose your signal caller, especially a good one and a veteran like that, that really shakes up the football team. But at the same time, I didn't really see those guys going 0-3 to start out. Now, they came back with a nice win against the terrible Cincinnati Bengals, who also or winless, but um, for me, it was the Steelers, because believe it or not, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season in his coaching tenure, which is pretty amazing. So, for me, it's, you know, the Steelers is a disappointment, and the big surprise is nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. All right, brother. Little shout, out, that, to, little well, shout out to Chris Berman. There. I'm with you. I'm with you. How about this weekend? A couple of sacks from the defense at the link. You think oh. the birds can manage that? My oh. goodness. All right. Uh, oh. Oh. Talking about feast or famine. They're get, they got pressure against Rodgers. They just couldn't really get him on the carpet much. So Yeah, it's, it's like the Mike McMullen era, you know, football. Like, they're close, but they're not there. Yeah. They're close. 20-minute podcast. Zipped it up. Got it out. How do you like that, peeps? We love it. Thanks for all the support. Brother Love Podcast. Go Birds. This is, uh, by the way, we will have a little Jeff Carlisle band on the outro coming soon. All right, Jeff Carlisle band. Haven't heard from him. Haven't heard of him. Check him out. I'm not sure how, but more details coming. All right, John Mita, you're the man. Love you, brother. Love you, too.
But we too, buddy. Great job. And, uh, you know, let's go birds. Let's, uh, you know, let's please get the three and two. My God. Tell the Uber driver I said what up for John Mead and Joe O'Donnell's The Brother of Love <laughs> podcast. Till next time, go birds. We'll see. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 